Today on the show, Relics on Tour. No, not the Eagles. Limiting our screen time this summer. <laughs> examining the gospel of welcome. Our picks of the week and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. That's right, Jeff. Put down that Metamucil. It is time for the CU Weekly. Oh, my word. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital content and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 397, I do yeah, believe. Oh, golly. You're uh, Yeah, I'm Father Chris Decker. Um, joining me this week, we've got Olivia Galino. She is a student of life. She is uh, our Italian food critic. And she's yes, here in always. studio. Always. I'm here. I'm right here. Actually, you would be the Sicilian food critic, I yes, suppose. Yes, thank you for getting it there right. You That's go. right. Yeah. There you there, go. There is a difference, folks. It's and so if different. If you don't know the difference, well, then ask Olivia. Yes. Let's go up on the satellite, shall we, to the uh, the Jeff Star 1, the near-Earth orbit satellite, uh, and to Jeff Blackwell. Jeff uh, is the one who's up there. Hey, Jeff. Evening, Father. And by the way, I saw an article this week that Italy is the second healthiest country in the world i wonder why Uh, talk about that forever believe it or not it's the carbohydrates it's the wine yes and it's the healthy proteins yes you Uh need carbohydrates bread is good for you it has to be real bread though i'm sorry Mm -hmm. that's right speaking of real bread um ed who rhymes with bread is not here Uh, he's on assignment (laughs) but in place of ed uh, we have karen cotton so we have renamed the ball pit the cotton ball pit. Which is like adorable. Isn't it? Can we yeah. fill it with cotton balls the next say, time she comes? All of a sudden it's fluffy. Yeah. Instead like of something warm that's hardened and, cozy. and yeah. Yeah. With like lots of brushed Like those surfaces. like ball yeah. pits at Chuck E. Cheese that were like always just kind of gross for some inexplicable <laughs> yes. reason. Yeah. It's because they never washed in. I don't want to talk about they it. Just, we're uh, not yeah. it's it's fine. We all survived. Yeah. We're here. Bread. Yeah. Back to bread. <laughs> And, uh, and also speaking of, of, well, it's not bread at all, um, but uh, Catholics are weird, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, this is true. Uh, and one of the beautiful things about being a weird Catholic is, uh, is the, the fact that we recognize that whenever somebody dies, it is their body that sleeps in death mm-hmm. awaiting uh, the resurrection, but, uh, but their soul more alive than we are, right? They are more alive than we are whenever Mm -hmm. they are next to the side of our Lord. Mm -hmm. Awaiting that day when everything is all consummated and and our bodies, our resurrected bodies are rejoined Mm -hmm. with our souls. So until then, we recognize that those who have been uh, made saints by the church, those who are declared saints by the church, uh, lived lives that are worthy of, of, of following, Mm -hmm. right? And live lives that are worthy of veneration even now because they... And as much as they interceded while on earth, they continue to do that work now. They yeah. intercede for us. And so the venerable tradition of relics, of venerating mm-hmm. relics, continues in the church today. Yeah. It wasn't just something that, that popped up in the Middle Ages for nefarious purposes, but rather from the very, very beginnings of our faith. Jeff, you'll remember this, that uh, the very first places that the Mass was offered were on the tombs. Mm-hmm of the martyrs, right. those who had died mm. for the faith. And so those were the first altars, if you will, mm-hmm. yeah. which is why when you go into many churches, especially in Rome, you see those who have been declared saints resting under yeah. the altar, mm. their relics, the, their their earthly body mm. awaiting resurrection. And so relics uh, are important to us because they are like icons, like stained glass windows, um, like so many other things, they are windows mm-hmm. to the person. 
Yeah. Right? So remember, we don't worship relics. We don't worship the saints. We nope. don't worship Our Lady. We don't worship a window. Nope. We don't worship the statues. But we recognize them as icons, as something that stands in place of the reality of the person. Mm-hmm. And so a Padre Pio, how'd you like that for a catechism lesson? <laughs> nice. yeah. Well done. Here you go. So Padre Pio's relics are going to be touring the United States and Canada twice here in 2019. And so you might begin planning your pilgrimage for the veneration of uh, of this stigmatic saint. Mm -hmm. Uh, St. Padre Pio, of course, did have the stigmata, the wounds of Christ, a supernatural gift given to his earthly body Mm -hmm. while he was here. He shared, that's interesting, he shared kind of a supernatural gift, the, the, the stigmata, on his natural body. Right. Um, and, and in anticipation and, of like future glory, but also like the, the path that it takes to achieve that. Mm. That's right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And so because we venerate uh, the relics of saints and St. Saint Padre Pio is one who, man, boy, oh boy, he had not only a heroic life, but he had a difficult life. Oh, yeah. Even though he was uh, he was cloistered, mm-hmm. you know, much of his life, right, as a, as a as a friar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, his relics are going to be touring from September fifteenth of twenty nineteen through November fifteenth, and uh, they were last brought to North America in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yes. And uh, really, kind of a kind of a little brief period uh, drew more than half a million faithful altogether mm-hmm. along the the many stops that the relics made. So it's happening again. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it's always interesting because the world looks in on the church. Uh, yeah. Talk about an adjournamiento, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, the throwing open of the windows of the church that was, uh, that was heralded um, in the Second Vatican Council were not so that the world could leak in mm-hmm. uh, to, to the church, but so that we could present ourselves to the world to say, mm-hmm. we are here, yeah. Christ is here come Mm -hmm. and whenever the relics uh, of the saints go out the world always wants to peer in right and allow the faith out and so you had like fox news and nbc and the wall street journal and the new york times and cnn and all these media conglomerates peering in Mm -hmm. through the saint an icon Mm -hmm. through the saint's relics peering in through that window into the church Mm -hmm. and so the hope of the saint pio foundation is that the same thing's going to happen in 2019 will draw even bigger crowds Mm -hmm. Because again, this is not about Padre Pio, right? But this is about the one to whom he points, right? right. Well, and I think it's interesting too uh, about the saints that we gravitate towards in a particular age, and I yeah. think Padre Pio is one of them. Mother Teresa is another one. John Paul II, Maximilian Kolbe. Like there are certain saints, especially with like young people, yeah. where all you have to do is say their name, and people just gasp for breath. They're like, "I love that part," you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a particular draw to Padre Pio is the fact that he heals like he yeah. he you know he could bilocate and even during his life he had like this power of healing but also of uh, like cardiognosis like reading people's hearts yeah and people want that they want to be like so intimate with someone who stands in the person of Christ with the person of Christ himself right. that the body can't and, and whatever ill can't help but be healed mm-hmm. you know like we still crave that even though there's mm-hmm. like this kind of I don't know, some, maybe somewhat of a weirdness when people talk about like healing and things like that, but like we're still, we recognize that we need that. Yes. And we, we see this person as someone who is, is a, it's like a gateway or like a, that's right. An, an icon, like you were saying. Well, in the same way, I mean, I kind of sort in the same way that, that we want to be near those who are, who are, well, we use the word idle. Yeah. We want to be near to those who show us something about ourselves that either that we aspire to, yeah. uh, or, or that we don't at this point in our life possess. Yeah. And so as we often say, right, that, that the church raises up 
in the generation in which she finds herself, though herself, the those who are going to be the saints yeah. for either that generation or the one to come. Yeah. And we see, especially with young people, they gravitate towards the saints, many of whom under underwent a great deal of suffering. Right. Yeah. Um, and they see heroic qualities in them, mm-hmm. and that is exactly what uh, what we're talking about. Whenever we we allow uh, Padre Pio's relics uh, mm-hmm. out of their reliquary, out of their yeah. cloister, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then out into the world, is it's an opportunity to to commune with a bit of the body mm-hmm. of the person. Yeah. Um, in the same way that that you want to go and be close physically to the body of a person that you mm-hmm. look up to, why, yeah. I mean, why do people, why do people stalk um, uh, famous figures? Yeah, you know? yeah, they, yeah. They want to be Hide physically, bushes. yeah, yeah. They want to be physically close to them, mm-hmm. and and that's the beauty of the weirdness of our faith yeah. is that we're able to do that, and the way that we do it is through the veneration of relics huh? and those holy objects that that the saints. Yeah. Uh, held and used. And I think that's another great way of explaining why this was always something that people thought was extremely weird. Like even if they were cool with relics, they were like, well, why do you like break them into pieces and then spread them all over the world? Mm-hmm. And that is kind of strange. You know, like you have the head of this saint here, but his forearm is in this country mm-hmm. and his legs in Spain. Like it's strange, but it, it's for that purpose, you mm-hmm. know, so that people can have that intimacy with the saint yep. that a relic just naturally supernaturally possesses and allows yeah i was gonna say and if you paid attention at mass today so Mm. so the the mandate of the apostles is to go out unto the ends of the earth and that's exactly what the relics of saints do they Mm. go out into the ends of the earth and they are there yeah these these men and women who have been who have been worthy of, of of they they led heroic lives despite all odds and mm-hmm. now they are worthy of veneration because of their connection now with Jesus mm-hmm. they are a living kind of um, kind of plant of the cross if yeah. you will yeah. in a corner of the world and and of course that's why relics in, uh, have come to be associated with certain places like uh, San Nicola de Bari mm-hmm. in Bari even yeah, though that right. wasn't where he started out or where he, no. he ended his life uh, there's a whole nother uh, bit of intrigue Santa to got that. stolen Santa did get stolen because <laughs> again the, the the issue with uh, something that brings people to faith is that uh, everything can be misused right right exactly and so that's why the church uh, especially in this age guards the relics yeah. and tries to guard them um, uh, most closely mm-hmm. uh, of course uh, there's a there's a very famous court case right now with uh, the relics of uh, hopefully a soon to be yeah. saint uh, uh, Fulton Sheen I know I just wish um, that it would all be resolved yeah exactly and so the but but the court case is like we know he's holy yeah we know this is important who gets to keep him right so it's funny that the things we've been fighting about for almost two thousand years we still fight about but mm. it's important that whenever we bicker as we roman catholics do mm. huh? how do you know you're part mm. of an italian family by baptism is you bicker everybody's right? yelling exactly we're not fighting we're just talking to each other <laughs> uh but we 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 are we bicker about where the saint gets to rest yeah because we want to be close to him. Mm-hmm. And so you can see even there is a component there of, of wanting yeah. not just the financial things that can come from having a shrine. Because mm-hmm. people do worry about that. But it's even more right. about being able to be close to the body of the saint. Yep. There's a song, On the Last Day, I Shall Rise Again. Remember that? Yeah, sure. So, and in our flesh, yeah. we shall see God. Yep. So these relics that are scattered around the earth. Mm-hmm. 
How do they get back together? The same way that all the people who have been cremated yeah. or buried at oh, sea get back together. The, wow, mm-hmm. okay. Because Jesus, uh, I believe St. Paul talks about it uh, at the at the voice of the angel, the trumpet, a word of command. Yes. yes. It happens. Like yeah. that. And, and our Lord can do uh, inside of this timeline the same thing he can do outside of time. Mm-hmm. And so however he will That's raise true. our glorified bodies, we do not know, but we don't need to know it. That's, That's the exactly. beauty. Yeah, it's That's not. That's the beauty of our faith. That's, I think that's one of the areas where we... This isn't Thanos at work here. This is God. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's one of the areas that we can kind of enter into curiosity, which is, you know, knowledge for without a purpose. Yeah. And, and that's something that we could, you know, find ourselves in, in sin um, when we like go too far down a path of sure. like trying to grasp at things that really aren't ours to know. Like all the can, people who like try to figure out when the end of the world's going to be like just calm down and like live for today right yeah you can Precise. overstep the bounds of speculative theology yeah. there yeah, yeah, there's yeah. certainly there there's benefit right. to that because oh, absolutely because there is holy curiosity in fact jeff i would even say like gosh how is it lord that you will reconstitute our bodies mm-hmm. so that they are they are as they were but glorified that's a beautiful thing to meditate upon yeah, 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 yeah. now about that. we can't get to the end of that because right. we we don't we don't know it, mm-hmm. but to be able to fall into a profession of deeper faith, yeah. to be able to say, man, that creed I profess today on Sunday, yeah. I believe all the more because I can't get to this little kernel of mystery yeah. that, mm-hmm. that flummoxes yeah. me so. And that's the beautiful thing about our faith. Is yeah, that, and I relate that yeah. a lot to a parent. Uh, you know, I yeah. remember I asked my dad, when are we going to get there? Just sit back and relax. Son. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. get there when we get there. That's so right. You just trust God, mm-hmm. and and He He takes care of the details. Yeah. He does indeed uh, take care of the details. Yeah, um, and and sometimes when He knows that we need them, uh, He gives us little bits of the detail. Right. Right. He, he shows us He shows us a little paint stroke, that's part of the larger that's mm-hmm. part of the larger picture. Yeah. And that's that's really the beauty of our Christian faith, and that's why we don't stop practicing it. That's why we never presume that we've arrived where we're going to be. Right. We we just we continue on step by step, and sometimes we get a bit of the picture revealed to us. Sometimes mm-hmm. we don't. Right. Yeah. But we still. But we can never get ahead of Jesus. Not that's only right. because that's impossible, but also because it's not. It's it's for for Him to reveal it to us, for Him to give it to us, instead of for us to grasp at it yep. and to try to get ahead of God. I mean, that was the the crux of the first sin, mm-hmm. is is to try to get ahead of God. You know, I, I we, we kind of got off a little yes, we on did. a tangent sorry. here. That's okay. No, that's that's part of the beauty. There is the Catholic <laughs> underground, but but uh, Saint Padre Pio's relics. Um, there there are a number of, of reliquaries that are along with this. So um, so there are um, the crusts of his wounds on mm-hmm. on his glove that mm-hmm. will be part of the um, of the relics that are going around. Uh, as well as the cotton gauze bearing his blood stains, a lock of his hair, his mantle, which is part of his habit, mm-hmm. um, his handkerchief, which was soaked uh, with his sweat only oh. hours before he died. All of those things are encased in these reliquaries, and they'll be displayed for mm-hmm. uh, prayers and veneration. So from uh, basically May 1st through November, uh, if you're in, in the Diocese of Evansville uh, and all throughout um, in Indiana, um, in Iowa, Kansas City, uh, let's see, throughout Canada, um, Charlotte, Baltimore, Lafayette, Indiana, Oklahoma City, Sioux Falls, the Archdiocese of New Orleans in October, uh, the Diocese of Lafayette in Louisiana, October 6th, uh, Colorado Springs, Yakima, Gallup, Salina, mm-hmm. 
all these places. It'll be at a at a church parish of some import yeah. or a cathedral yeah. near you. So we'll make sure we put a link in the show notes so that you are able to uh, to see where Padre Pio's relics are going to be. As Kathleen Lee says that she's sitting in the midst of a junior high lip sync battle and she's <laughs> tuning in. By the way, Kathleen is Kathleen. in the midst of a junior high youth uh, battle uh, that we call youth ministry. Yeah, so pray for her. So pray for Kathleen. She'll be back, I'm, I'm sure, uh, uh, next week. She better be. She better be. That's right. But in the meantime, we probably should remind you who we are. We are the Catholic Underground. Alrighty, you are listening to the Catholic Underground or watching us on Roku, on Catholic TV, on the Catholic Faith Network. Um, if you've got, you know, one of those Oculus Rifts and you're watching us here, if you can't watch us in VR, maybe augmented reality. Uh, yeah, we're, we're all those things. Uh, yes. At any rate, I'm Father Chris. <laughs> got Olivia here. Jeff Blackwell uh, and Karen are up on the, the, the satellite of Jeff. Our picks of the week are indeed coming up. Uh, but first, we thought we would maybe give you a little leg up here on... How to put the screen down. Like, we're glad you're watching. We're yes, glad you're listening. This is but good. Sometimes you shouldn't be mm-hmm. taking in so much visually. In fact, right. um, there have been many scientific studies that are saying that because we're kind of jacked into the screen so often, uh, not only is our attention span getting shortened, but our ability to really do anything else mm-hmm. is being retrained to always go towards the screen. Yeah. Uh, in fact, on average, American kids spend the equivalent of a part-time job <laughs> oh my gosh. entertaining themselves oh my on their screens. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if you have that, well, there's no way to not have it. But um, uh, I know on, on iOS devices, they'll tell you what your screen usage yeah. is. And sometimes I'm rather surprised to see how much time I spend looking at my screen. Yeah, I'm almost embarrassed whenever I accidentally find on Android, it's called like digital well-being or something like that. And I, I'll look at it or like when I get my phone <laughs> I bill. I am not being well. <laughs> yeah, my phone bill will tell me like the percentage of time I spend on different like functions of uh-huh. the iPhone or the uh, my Android. And I'm like, I'm not okay with having this put to me statistically but yeah. maybe that's necessary for me to like change something yeah exactly yeah. and and that's the thing right but we're, we're discovering that it doesn't just hurt kids and adults by mm-hmm. making them more anxious more cruel more addicted more depressed and dare we say stupid mm-hmm. just kind of darkening our intellect more and more which is one mm-hmm. of the effects of sin by the way yes uh, darkening of the intellect right um it also deprives us of the needed development uh, towards our full potential right uh Remember, uh, being potent is great, mm-hmm. but actualizing that potency it's necessary. is necessary, right? Uh, and so even even spending time on our screens can can dull us to so much so that we hurt our neighbors, yeah. that we hurt what's going on in our country. We don't engage well, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, when we use our leisure time well, we use it to help others, right? Uh, in ways big and small. That's the Spirit's gift of understanding. Mm-hmm. Not just being able to connect the truths of my faith, which is, is the, the Spirit's gift, but also being able to understand others mm-hmm. by by means of that lens, mm-hmm. you know? And then that connects with the Spirit's gift of knowledge, mm-hmm. which gives us the wisdom of the cross, right? Yeah. The wisdom where Christ looked out and is able to see people as they are and to yeah. enter into their lives with them. Yeah, well, and that's a much easier road to travel when you don't have a mediator that's impersonal. Like all yeah. of what you're saying and, and all of, you know, what we 
we hold to be the Catholic faith is very personal. It's very fleshly. Mm -hmm. It's very now and concrete. It's right. Um, while still being transcendent and all those other things. But like Heidegger talked about the, you know, obviously they didn't have smartphones back then, but like he talked about the, the use of technology as being like impersonal to the point of like, I I'm objectifying my experience. I'm taking Mm -hmm. like, like cameras. He used an example of like taking a picture of something is like, I'm not appreciating it for what it is and I'm not letting it be what it is, but I'm telling it what it should be. And then I'm capturing it and not letting it grow anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we do when we try to mediate things because, you know, we put out tweets and 280 characters or we put up pictures and, and we try to encapsulate who we are, but it's not who we are, you know, and we should always be met as whole persons. Right. Which honestly, I mean, just looking at my own kind of personal media strategy, uh, that's one of the reasons, Jeff, that I don't post a whole lot of stuff on social media. Not just because I don't think that everybody needs to know everything that's happening in my life at every moment, but I know that I can't adequately express who I am as Mm -hmm. a person Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that can be uh, digested, if you will, by another person in a way that is 100% accurate. Yeah. And so I just choose not to engage, yeah. you know, and, and um, that, I, you know, I, I like showing off the grandkids. All right. You should. I mean, and, and absolutely. Is, Everyone know, loves yeah. babies. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Facebook is I, so 2015. I, but uh, I, I say that because, uh, you know, typically older people do. It. Now, I do, you know, my, my granddaughter's mm-hmm. daughter, which makes her my great granddaughter. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But I will ask her before I post anything, is it okay if I put this on mm-hmm. Facebook? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that sort of those permissions are important as well, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of this to say that whatever your, your social media strategy is, um, being on the screen can be a detriment. It can be useful, but it's useful only in so much like with most things is that we recognize their limit. Yeah. And so uh, we thought we'd uh, in the in the remaining moments here. We, let's see, we got about seven minutes. So this is a, a top a, a, a bullet point per minute, right? Uh, number one, put your parenting pants on. Do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If only Kathleen were here. Put your parenting pants on, everybody. Yeah. No. Yeah. So so remember, it's it's not the kid's job to decide what the family is doing and why. It's the parent's job. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so our homes and our children are the way uh, we are because we allow them to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do, as parents, have the power to expect better, to help our kids reach those expectations. And that means that as a parent, I have to not act like the mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. And and I say this as a father. I'm a real and true spiritual father. And, and so I have to not be... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, disconnected from yeah. from my spiritual children are well. Yeah, uh, and not well. allow yeah. ourselves to be ruled by something inanimate. Like I, I, I gave a talk on social media to some parents one time, and especially like Instagram and all the ways there are to hide photos on your phone, all this kind of stuff. And I had a parent ask me like, "Well, how do I like how do I get the passwords from my my daughter, or mm-hmm. how do I how do I stop them from doing this?" And I'm like you just do it. Yep. Like, I mean, and I'm not a parent, but I'm like, you just do, that's your right. Like not only, you know, forget the financial, like I, you pay for this, they live under your roof, like all that kind of stuff that really doesn't mean much to them anymore. But like you have spiritual responsibility over your child. It doesn't matter if they don't understand or don't like it, like you do it. No, right. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and if they hate you, they'll hate you, but yeah. they'll get over it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, let's just kind of move through this. Imagine what their childhood could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the, the, the beauty of a parent. And, and if you think about God, our father, God does not see us, uh, just as we are. He sees us as we ought to be. Mm-hmm. And he, that's why he's always calling us higher. He's calling oh. us to himself. And we, as parents, yeah 
ought to do that as well. Huh? And so bring those things in. Uh, read 20 picture books with your kids, right? Mm-hmm. If you have younger kids. Um, anything with the arts, I'm mm-hmm. all about that, right? Um, developing a hobby, mm-hmm. uh, going through Lego robotics, uh, training a dog together, geocaching. I have some families in my parish that are that are really into geocaching, which That's is awesome. using your GPS to find things that other people have hidden, these mm-hmm. little cool little treasures and whatnot. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, whittling, baking with Olivia, you name it, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what you also have to do, uh, the article suggests, is to address choke points. Now, I do this. I know I do it. Uh, we use our screens as a crutch. Yeah. Right. So I've got about uh, five minutes uh, between this and that screen, Mm -hmm. a long time between the babysitters and home, you know, Mm -hmm. kid has a screen. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see that they're strapped to the back of cars now. Right. Uh, Car seats, screen. Um, And so uh, find what that first choke point is and then reassert control. Right. To say this, we're not going to do this here. Uh, It's it's not easy to do, Mm -hmm. but. Part of being a parent is recognizing that I have a responsibility, not just for the brain development of somebody, but for their soul. Right. Yeah. You know, Um, take uh, different approaches uh, for different angles. Just banning behavior is far less effective uh, than acting as your child's personal trainer Mm -hmm. to transform behavior. And that's perhaps a good way to look at it. Yeah. Is uh, kind of being a personal trainer, right? Your your personal trainer, if you if you have one, Mm -hmm. uh, wants to get you out of a cycle that causes you to do things that are unhealthy. Same thing. Right. Um, yeah, you'll need uh, you'll need to do more explanation mm-hmm. than put it and put up with a little bit more whining. But it's possible to to mold your child's habits, ideally starting at birth, and then you know kind of letting go of the steering wheel as your child grows. Yeah. But but with screens, um, y- you have to start that early, and hopefully parents are doing that right. Do what you can, do the best that you can. Make sure you're talking this over with your kids. Yeah. You know, the explain kids are y'all, kids are smart. Yeah. They're oh, smart. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even the ones that don't act smart are smart. Mm-hmm. And so if you explain, especially logically, why you're mm-hmm. doing what you're doing, yeah. then they may not like it, but mm-hmm. they're going to be able to travel from point A to point B to yeah. point C with you. The elasticity of the brain is made for that. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. It's part of our brain uh, development. Uh, important to note when you fail, get back in the game. Yeah. Uh, this is what we say all the time about the nature of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Satan wants you to think that that last time you fell is it. And that's yeah, the only do-overs you get. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works, right? You might even want to consider going to confession mm-hmm. uh, if, if you've made this commitment with your family. It might only be a venial uh, misstep, but it can also be something to help, uh, help you stay accountable. And the Lord is ready to give you the grace to do, to do what's right. Um, replace, don't just erase. Mm-hmm. Huh? Um, tea instead of coffee an apple instead of cookies, mm-hmm. right? It's the same kind of thing. Uh, what can you put in their, in their face um, and in their life that takes away when, when the screen is not there, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than Netflix before bed and watching, you know, whatever I you watch on Netflix, um, uh, then maybe I'll read with you a book that you really enjoy. I've seen this work in a lot of families, and mm-hmm. it's really kind of a beautiful thing. As a priest, I've been able to sit with some of my favorite families as they're reading to their children. Yeah. And while they're reading, I'll draw... And then at the end of the little reading period, I'll draw whatever they've been reading, Aww. you know, or I'll show them the drawing. So those so are sweet. those are ways to, to actually do these things uh, as well. All righty. Well, uh, you know, we got the show. There's more of it. So stay right where you are. We're the Catholic Underground.
Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Santorini or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Welcome back. You found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker. Olivia Galino joins us from her side here on this uh, aircraft carrier of a That's desk right. we have here. <laughs> and uh, up uh, up in space is Jeff Blackwell and um, and Karen as well. Yes. Yeah. Switching the video ball. for us. And I, I'm just going to pre-apologize for the fact that I have not, uh, Karen, I have not developed a, a special credit role for you. Because I actually have to re-render a video, so she I'm just, said you're forgiven. Okay, good. Phew. <laughs> Speaking of venial sins, you know. Oh come on. All right, our picks of the week are coming up. Uh, we know you're waiting for them, but uh, but we have another topic that really can help, especially as we move into um, into trying to understand with the Spirit's gift of understanding. Yeah. There seems to be a misunderstanding about the notion of welcome yeah. and what it means as a Christian to be welcoming. Yeah. That it's not just kind of this blanket term where where licentiousness reigns. Yeah. But that but there's more to it if we're truly going to be. Um, uh, extending a welcome, mm-hmm. then what does that mean? Yeah. Well, and I think it helps to kind of step back and just look at things from a human point of view yeah. and, and realize that we have an issue with like permissiveness or like when we say support, Yeah. like now when we say support, it basically just means like tacit approval over everything that you do. Yeah. I support this message. I support. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I support. I support you, which means I support everything that you do, even if I don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that we've gotten ourselves into like a philosophical snafu because we recognize that there are there are moments when I don't agree with something that you do, but I still feel the need to, you know, include you, love you, whatever. Yeah. And I don't know how to reconcile those things anymore because, you know, we live in extremes, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, when we when we come specifically to the issue of welcome, we re, we get that problem of mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'm I'm still at the extreme of thinking about welcome as like permissiveness mm-hmm. to the extreme. Like I, I welcome you no matter what. I'm extending an invitation to you yes. so that we can begin to encounter each other. Yeah. And then from there, yeah. let the relationship grow. Exactly. And so, you know, when we're talking about welcome, it comes up in a lot of different ways. You know, when we talk about, you know, women and their role in the church, when we talk about people who struggle with same sex attraction, all a lot of different issues, the idea of welcome, inclusivity, all that comes up. Mm-hmm. And so how do we think about that responsibly? How do we think about that with the mind of the church? Mm-hmm. Right? Because we're, we're already wired to think about it with the mind of the world. But yeah. what does the church have to say? Um, and how is it life giving? Um, and so oftentimes we'll hear like the welcoming Jesus line, mm-hmm. um, as like a Trump card, like, well, Jesus welcomed everybody. He did. And he did. That's not wrong, yeah. but we have to like actually understand what he was doing and why. Um, and so, but you know, under that kind of Trump card, we not to welcome or not even to appear welcoming, you yeah. know, very much about appearance, um, would mean to be disagreeing with Jesus and therefore like you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very much a Trump card because mm-hmm. once you throw the J card down, 
they, right. they're done. They can't refute it. Otherwise, they're, you've set up this kind of contradiction where, yeah. like, if they disagree, then that means that they're not being like Jesus. They're not being Christian. They're sinning. You know, like, we really get down this, like, There were folks that spoke slope. with Jesus who occasionally tried that uh, that maneuver, right? Yes. And you know? it didn't work. And it didn't work. Well, because because our Lord is a Lord of logic, right? Yeah. He oh, is yes. reasonable. And so if Jesus did indeed welcome everyone, then, then as you say, there are nuances to that. There are reasons that, there are reasons that he welcomed everyone. Yeah. It was a true invitation. Right. Yeah. An and invitation to the divine. He's not a liar. He's not a manipulator. He right. is, he is reason itself. He is truth itself. Um, but really like the idea of welcome is, is almost more real than we would like to consider. Like yeah. we have an impoverished view of welcoming. Jesus had the fullest view of welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we we want to to know that all are welcome. We want that kind of comfort, that kind of security without yeah. like getting into like the gather book song that we're all <laughs> thinking of right now. But like we want that comfort and security of knowing that like I am truly welcome in this place. I, yeah, belong, I belong in here. this place mm-hmm. because belonging is a fundamental human need. And especially with like young people, young adults, I mean yeah. everyone, but like and specifically it in those areas. Dignity, dignity, right? Yeah. Is that we, we do I belong here? Yeah. And so, and we can even think about po- moments in our life when the, the a, a moment of welcoming was like transformative you know i was i went from a, a place of unbelonging to a place of belonging and a stranger it changed everything and you welcomed me exactly mm-hmm. there's a bit of there a work is. of mercy right yeah. yeah absolutely um and we can also you know just as easily point to to moments where we felt unwelcome where we yeah. felt excluded and alone and and what happens in isolation sin happens in isolation yeah. we need the community um because it, it's it's not just given to us you know for a social benefit it's not just given to us so that we don't get bored it's mm-hmm. given to us to give life um you know I, I feel like i say this a lot but in space alvi um pope benedict says that that no one is saved alone right and it's not a platitude um he also says that no one sins alone mm-hmm. um that we we depend on each other so intimately and so intricately that we it, it's very easy to miss that's right um, if you think about how the pentecost gifts are given um, the reason we celebrate the, Pente- the Feast of Pentecost every year is because the, the Holy Spirit comes individually upon us at the mm-hmm. Feast of uh, Pentecost at our own confirmation, mm-hmm. and those sevenfold gifts are given. But the Spirit also comes upon the earth, right. <laughs> upon all of the inhabitants of the earth, upon the entire church, upon the entire world. Yeah. And so there is a, a corporate sense, and then there is an individual sense as yes. well. And, yeah. and we're called to recognize the not just the differences, but but the scope of, of an individual sense of, of being welcomed as well as that corporate sense as well. Yes, and how those are related. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah, so so when we talk about Jesus being welcoming, it's not a cop-out answer. He is very much being welcoming, and we have specific examples of that. Um, his actions, his words, the ones that are preserved in the scriptures, um, we can point to. And we think about how like the crowds go out to him because they feel welcome. We, we're attracted to, yeah. to things that, that we experience a sense of community and belonging. Um, and, and it's because he speaks of forgiveness. He favors the poor and the outcast. He loves the marginalized. He touches the untouchable. And he uh, teaches with authority too. And he teaches with authority. And not like just somebody who's repeating something else. Exactly. That was another thing that that welcomed them was that there there is there is an authority that I cannot I cannot put my finger on the source, mm-hmm. but I know that it's 
beyond me and it's beyond what I have been taught. Yeah, because it's an authority with love, right? Yeah. You know, it, a lot of times when he's interacting with the Pharisees who were kind of the law keepers and, and law mm -hmm. abiders, they you, you notice a lack of love in what yeah. they're they're saying, what they're doing. But Christ is, is love himself, right? Mm -hmm. So everything that he's doing is motivated because he loves the person that he's talking to. He yeah. loves the message that he's giving. He loves the people that are gathering around mm -hmm. him. And, and so with that as his foundation, that's so attractive to people. People, which is why we're called to imitate that love, yeah. not just, you know, so that they'll know we're Christians by our love. Wow, I'm really on a roll. But <laughs> not only so that, you know, other people will see that, but so that we can be that Christ for other people that's so right. that we can attract them to that same love that's real, that's authentic, that's that's life-giving. Mm -hmm. And so, so those are some of the things that we see in the scriptures, too. Yeah, absolutely. Like when he goes into uh, Simon the Pharisee's house. Mm-hmm. Um, now the, the, the Pharisees haven't really done much to welcome him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, the repentant woman, um, who, who her tears become the, the wash basin, yeah. right? Um, that, that is where, where she is welcoming him, but he welcomes her. Yeah. You know, in a place where she is decidedly unwelcome. Right. Um, and that's another thing, too, that we, we can break a little more uh, open is that Christ specifically welcomes women in a way that yeah. that the age itself did not go Luke's gospel. Yes. He was radical yeah. in the way that he treated women, mm -hmm. um, especially for the time, but in any time. Yeah. Um, but another example, you know, he rebukes the disciples even because they they want to prevent the children from coming to him. Yeah. Right. He he welcomes them. Don't bother the teacher. He is too busy. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, he welcomes the cries of Bartimaeus. Remember, he's he's blind um, and the crowds are kind of trying to tell him to shut up. Like we're, yeah. we're trying to listen like you're, you're being blind. Distracting. You're obviously a big sinner. So yes. who who do you why do you want to go to yes. the healer and the righteous are you're getting in our way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and he Christ goes out to him yeah. um, and then he, he even welcomes himself to Zacchaeus's house. Right. Mm -hmm. He he finds Zacchaeus in the tree and he welcomes himself into I his house knowing who come he is. to your house. Yes. That's the thing is it, it and the, the Lord never forces himself on us, but there is this sense of um, almost like a, a an earnest longing that I I know that you are waiting to welcome me. So if I need to, I will simply present myself yeah. to say here I am. Yeah. You know, yeah. I do the will of my father. I must stay at your house. Yeah. And I love that too because he's not forcing himself in. He he's he's issuing a statement of fact, I must, mm -hmm. I want. And he but it's allows still contingent Zacchaeus upon an invitation. Yeah. He allows Zacchaeus to turn him down. Zacchaeus could have been like, mm, nah, I don't know about that. And Christ would have like been okay, not okay with it, but he would have accepted it. Yeah. Um, because he gives people the, the freedom to, to choose him, mm -hmm. um, the freedom to go after him just as much as he comes after us. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, thinking about all these different examples, and these are just a few of them, um, all of the people who are trying to, to trick Jesus trying to trip him up they they actually end up praising him with words that they mean to insult him you know when yeah. they say that this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them like oh how dare he how disgusting yeah. but actually that's that's one of the highest praises that they could give him because right. this man mm -hmm. welcomes sinners. He eats with them. That's, yeah. that's very intimate. That's something that you do with family is right. you eat with them. And that's the base level of welcome, mm -hmm. but it doesn't just end there because oftentimes that's where we stop is, well, Jesus welcomed everybody. Yeah. Um, and that people tell me that all the time. Well, well he ate with the sinners. Yeah. You know, he was with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and, and all those who struggled with, with, uh, immorality, et cetera. My response is usually yes, 
and 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 yet yeah Yeah, because he doesn't just stop there just like when we talk about accompaniment language we're not just saying like i'm going to accompany someone by standing still with them right where they are it involves a movement and, and and what are we moving towards we're moving towards the person of jesus so when when jesus welcomes he yes it always is a welcome to all like you were saying that it's individual and it's corporate um but he always has that invitation to repent. Mm-hmm. It's a welcome to forgiveness. It's yeah. a, an invitation to conversion. Right. Now that you were in the presence of God. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, again, not to harp on the gifts of the Spirit, but, but the, 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 the gift of, of the fear of the Lord is recognizing that I'm in the presence of the divine mm-hmm. and there are things within me that are not conformed to him. Yes. And so I am being unwelcoming to the God who is inviting me. Yeah. And so what is it about me that I that I'm experiencing that friction that I then need to figure out something to do with? And of course the the thing I figure out must figure out to do is to give it to him. Yeah. Like the 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 repentant woman, she was she was washing his feet with her hair, right? Or washing his feet with her tears and drying it with her hair. Because she she recognized that she was in the presence of the divine. Mm-hmm. She's in the presence of the Messiah. And the only thing she can think to give is all that she's got. Yeah. Is this going to be enough to offer the welcome that is being thrust at me by the Lord so tenderly? Mm-hmm. And it is enough. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you would have known, if you would have known the fact that this woman was such a great sinner and she was able to do more because she loved more, mm-hmm. right? That is where the Lord encounters us. And that is why sometimes nowadays, especially whenever we come face to face with those moments of the divine, because our culture is so loud, we shrink back and we go back with what our culture says, Mm -hmm. rather than saying, now I'm in the presence of God. What do I do to change Mm -hmm. so that I can be in the presence of God? Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, that was a little bit of a... No. You know, it was beautiful. Yeah. beautiful. Breach it. Um, yeah, and I think, too, it's helpful to think about... <laughs> this is going to sound so stale compared to what you're just talking about, but, like, almost geography helps us. Like, think about the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Like, the, first of all, his words. It, it, one of the first things that we, that we hear from Jesus is to repent. Yeah. Right? Um, he proclaims the kingdom of God, and he invites the people to repent. But think about where he's starting. He's starting in Galilean country. And think about the trajectory of Jesus's, you know, public ministry. He starts in Galilee and he slowly, slowly, slowly makes his way into Jerusalem, into the heart of Jerusalem. Yeah. Because that's where the Holy of Holies is. And who is he? He is the one who inhabits the Holy of Holies. Right. And he starts where people are most unwelcome, right? Yeah, exactly. The The the, Galilean territories, the Samaritans, the people that society has forgotten and doesn't care that the Gentiles, the pagans and others, right? Yeah. Oddly enough, all the people who found their way to be in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. very true very true because yeah. he drew them in see it's all has to do with each other um but I, I find that to be helpful because think about like he's starting in a place that's just known for its outliers these are the people that society doesn't want and doesn't care about and he in his just in his physical motion is drawing them in but what's going to happen is the cross yeah something painful has to happen yep. for us to be united and i'm going to take it upon myself but it also requires that you take it upon yourself right. the, the, it makes demands on us the cross is the hook of the fisherman's net as he's drawing everyone he draws them towards this moment of jerusalem yeah 
where they can be caught, yeah. <laughs> caught by the loving God, caught, as mm-hmm. we say, in that tether. Yeah. And and Jesus recognizes that people need time and need like we need baby steps almost to be able sure. to get some, you know, we don't just go from zero to 60 in the faith. Think about like the way that we uh, are, are brought into the church. Mm-hmm. It's very like, especially like around Easter, yeah, it's, incremental. it's incremental. Things happen slowly. It's not just all at once. Yep. Um, and if an emergency you're brought into the church, mm-hmm. right? You're baptized, confirmed, given first Holy communion because you're in danger of death. You still then are, are requested and required <laughs> To come back and to go through that yeah. that process, uh, if you recover, because the church recognizes that being called into a relationship with Christ, there is a flashpoint of conversion, but then conversion begets relationship, and relationship yeah. always is a linear, incremental yeah. component. And that doesn't say it doesn't detract from the truth that we're attracted to. It doesn't detract from the truth that we're trying to teach someone. Yeah. Um, because there's not a gradation in truth, but there's a gradation in the way that we come to understand truth. Right. Um, and so Christ's welcome, first and foremost, just requires a minimal acceptance of his truth. Mm-hmm. Even if like the disciples, they understood nothing. <laughs> like it's almost frustrating to read the gospels because like they just, they get so many things wrong, but what are they doing? They're slowly coming to an That's understanding. Right. They be, but they started with a minimal acceptance of truth, and it's mm-hmm. and and what is that? That Christ called them by name. That's right. Uh, where where else will we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. I don't yeah. get. I don't really get any of it, mm-hmm. but I know it's it's somehow wrapped up in you. Yeah. You know, well, and that's a good point too because think about like John six, like you're talking about when uh, you know Christ has a, a, a long, you know, treatise on, on the Eucharist and what will be his body and blood shed for the world and, and given for the world. And he invites them to believe. Yeah. He, he kind of lays it out there and says, all right, this is, these are yeah, the stakes. Here's a deeper circle yeah. of, come, of come what on. it means to know me. Yeah. Because at that point he'd become kind of popular. People were mm-hmm. following him around large crowd, like so such large crowds that he was having to escape by, by boat yeah. and go to other places. And they and still caught up to him. And worried that they were going to try to make him a king. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Exactly. So he could, he disappeared into the crowds so that they wouldn't make him a king. Um, but you know, so that's what he's doing. He's kind of laying things down and saying like, these are the stakes. Are you in or are you out? Yeah. And, and what does he do? He lets people walk away. Yeah. And he puts that same invitation to the disciples because they have to make that choice too. Mm-hmm. That, you know, our life is, is not just a, a, you know, once and always I believe, but it's an everyday, every moment saying yes. It's an everyday, every moment fiat. Right. And so he had to put that to the disciples and said, okay, are you in? Yeah. And they said, well, Lord, to whom shall we go? Mm-hmm. And that's always the stake. We're always going to worship something. We're always going to find something that a, a community to want to belong in. We're always going to find something else. Yeah. And if it's not Jesus, it's going to tear us down. Right. And that's all, then that's the great challenge is because Jesus does not trim his doctrine. He doesn't yes. trim his teaching to accommodate people to make them feel welcome in this kind of new agey worldly yeah. sense where where nobody's requiring anything of me therefore I feel welcome no right. Jesus's welcome is tied up mm-hmm. in coming to know him and everything that he is about yeah. and so I mean he he uses the parables to tell about the right. one who comes without a wedding garment yeah. and the Lord says many are invited few, few are, are chosen, chosen. Uh, that that's a that's a tough saying yeah and yet we realize that that there is there's a heart of what it means to be 
to be welcomed and yeah. to be welcomed by the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we shouldn't be afraid of those expectations. Like any invitation comes with expectations. You get a wedding invitation in the mail and it says, you know, black tie optional. I'm expected to wear a cocktail dress. I'm expected to wear something yeah. nice. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, and, and that comes with any expectation or any invitation comes with expectations. It's not something to be afraid of, but it's something to be, to prepare ourselves for. It's, it's yeah. a challenge to be met. Right. Um, and I think about something that I read in, um, Anthony Bloom's beginning to pray, which it's is fantastic like, book. it's like really my favorite book. I talk about it all the time, probably uh, nauseatingly. So, but he talks about how, like when we perceive the absence of the Lord in prayer, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing because when we come into the presence of the Lord, it's always in the context of judgment. Yeah, and it's either you know confirmation, acceptance, you know, uh, uh, like the like the invitation into into yeah. heaven, um, or it's it's condemnation. Yeah, and we have to to be cognizant of that. That if we're inviting the Lord the Lord's presence in our life, I need to be ready for it. Right. which means that I have to do what I can with the help of the grace of the Lord to to meet the expectations that are that are put upon me yeah. by His welcome. That's right. It's not Every, to say that He doesn't welcome me, no, but I have to do something too. Right. But I'm standing in the presence of God, um, and so therefore. Uh, I'm uh, really, I'm, I'm judging myself in yeah. a sense. I should be able to judge myself, so to speak, say, am I worthy to stand in God's presence now yeah. um, where, where I can allow him to, to kind of confirm this presence yeah. or uh, do I recognize there's something in myself that's not of God? Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, the more we come to be in love with the truth, the more that we're able to look at ourselves with, without rose colored glasses, we can see ourselves for what we are. True conviction. True conviction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and being willing to say that like, I'm, I I screw up so much, but I know that I'm still invited. I'm still welcomed and I still want to be worthy of that invitation. I'll never fully be until Christ himself raises me up in glory, but I want to do everything that I can to love the Lord, even a fraction. of of how he loves me. Um, And so, you know, that welcome that that Christ extends to everyone um, is is authentic. It's Mm -hmm. it's not a hypocrisy. It's not a welcome that has like a bunch of footnotes and terms and conditions that no one reads. Like we we can't do anything to empty that welcome of meaning, Um, but we can can do what we can to understand the expectations behind it, what it means to be invited to repentance. Yep. Um, and, and, and really that's, that's giving the gospel it's due. Yeah. Um, if we're going to be people of the word, then we have to understand that, that there's requirements and, and I want to be, I want to be Joan of Arc. I want to be St. Michael. I want to be Padre Pio. I want to be mother Teresa going after what the gospel asks of me in my own particular way, because yeah. Jesus himself has called it of me. That's right. He calls me by name. That's exactly right. And, and there's, there's. The tools are even given, right? The tools are given. You notice when, when the apostles are being prepared to be sent out, they're given the ability to forgive yeah. and to withhold forgiveness for, for sins. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not because Jesus um, is, is saying, okay, now you guys are going to become the new Pharisees. No, it's so that that true sense of welcome, convicting the heart, once the heart has changed and turned back to God, it has the ability to come back to the Lord. Yeah. If the heart has not changed, it still has to be confronted with the fact that the truth is there. Right. Right. And and so as the Lord goes, so mm-hmm. goes his church. Right. And I love to uh, that, that part of the gospel uh, at Pentecost because I love the urgency of it. You know, yep. like Jesus comes, he breathes on them, they receive the, the fire of the Holy Spirit, and then he immediately says, 
um, who sins you forgive or forgiven them, who sins you retain or retain. That's right. And I love that there's like this urgency for Christ. Like he not only has issued the call to welcome, but now he has the power, uh, like or he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with us always yeah. so that there is nothing impeding us except ourselves to to answering that call right. wholly and completely. And I love that he's just like, you can almost like feel his excitement. Like, mm-hmm. I can't wait, let's do At it. At long last, yeah. that's right, yeah. Yeah, it, it really is the moment where the church... Um, that he's been longing to create, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, is finally beginning to to, to take flight, uh, and that's where we find ourselves here in uh, in 2019 in our calendar year uh, of of attempting to take flight mm-hmm. with uh, with what the Lord has given in His Holy Church through the apostolic ministry, so that we can extend a true hand of welcome to others, uh, no matter what walk of life, no matter what difficulty, no matter what form of sin they find themselves in and to invite them to see the face of Christ. And if we show them the face of Christ, that convicts the heart. If the heart is convicted, conversion comes about, turning to the Lord comes about. Mm -hmm. But it begins in me, begins in me in order to be able to be a man of welcome, to Mm -hmm. be a woman of welcome. It starts with me, Lord, I stand in your presence. How must I change? And then once that begins to happen in me and I'm on that track, then I can begin to be that person in my family, in my parish, huh? mm-hmm. in my place of work. And that's what renews the face of the earth, right? Mm-hmm. That is the Spirit's work renewing the face of the earth. So that the face that is renewed is the face of Christ mm-hmm. in us, the members of a mystical body. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what it means to be welcoming and to be welcomed. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> We could go on forever. We could. But if we did, we'd miss our time cues. That's so okay. That's fine. <laughs> I think maybe we should probably uh, skedaddle to that part of the show that we like to call. The CU Pick of the Week. It's all right. We're good. We're fine. Uh, all right. Pick of the Week. Uh, well, Kathleen's not here. Yes. So no one to Olivia, have me hiding in her shadow. That's yes, you. It's all finally. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... In true fashion, though, my, my pick is a little bit on the like boring side, but it's actually kind of interesting. So I found this website. I don't know, email subscription. Yeah, website. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the New Paper Company or New Paper Co. And um, it's basically their their premise is like the news, like almost dehydrated, like just the the hot headlines from the day, like direct to the sources um, without like fluff or bias or that kind of thing. Hmm. And I've only been using it for like you know, this past week. So I, I, I can't confirm, you know, their, their claims, but so far it does seem to be like, here's like almost the essential things that you would need to know to keep up with, with things and without like an agenda, like huh. I'll give you the sources, I'll give you like different categories. Like of, the news of used news. to be. Yeah. Like the news <laughs> used to be mazel tov. Yeah. Um, and it's something that comes in your inbox and it really isn't, it's not overwhelming. It's not pages and pages that you just have to scroll through. It's, it's, you know, digestible over a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've, I've actually, enjoyed it because I've I've sworn off the news um, from the past probably five years because I just can't take it anymore. So this might actually like get me hmm. to go back into it. Actually, I've sworn at the news, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. That's well, you know, most of us do, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So I'll put we'll put a, a link in the show notes that like you can just enter your email and subscribe to it, and it's very easy to unsubscribe if you're just not into it. But, very cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's your pick of the week. Yeah, let's go up to the satellite, Jeff. What's your pick of the week? <laughs> yeah, here we are. Uh, uh, really, uh, I've It was because of an interview with this lady, and I've Uh never met her face-to-face. We've talked on the phone, uh, but her uh, nickname is Tori, uh, Victoria T. Winter. If you search for her on Facebook, you can find her as Victoria T. Winter, comma, 
author, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she has a new book that actually came out in April. Uh, but there are so many hurting people in this world searching for help in the wrong places. Yeah, she has put together a book because she herself has suffered abuse. Uh, mm-hmm. There are people that are, you know, uh, suffering from the abuse of uh, drugs, alcohol, you name it. Yeah. But this is a very, very positive approach to putting the past behind you and getting on mm. living in the light of Jesus Christ and his blessed mother. So uh, the name of the book is called Breaking Chains, and it's from uh, Archway Books. Uh, you can also find it on Amazon. And uh, she's just a, a delightful soul uh, doing, you know, I think I, I personally believe the, uh, the the work of God through sure. this work. So. Well, that's the thing is uh, like the last segment we were talking about, everybody looks for welcome, yeah. um, but we either look for welcome by means of an objective source, the gospel, yeah. or we try to find welcome in all the ways that are just comforting to us. Mm-hmm. And whenever you've been the victim of, of abuse or whenever you've uh, kind of been in the throes of, of an abusive behavior, mm-hmm. um, to be able to find somebody who can help to, to kind of break through that cycle to say, no, 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 there are things that are going to be required of you, but let us love you into the into the requirements of true welcome, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Truly being welcome. So that's a that's a really cool pick. What of the is week. your pal? My, pick of the week. My pal, my pal yeah. uh, is is actually a Bishop Robert Barron has started something called the Word on Fire Institute. Yeah. And yeah, um yeah, yeah. and and if you don't want to kind of dive into yet another subscription service, uh, but maybe want to see what it's about, he is offering uh, a free uh, eight part principles of evangelization um, uh, video series so uh, we'll put that in the show notes as well that's uh from the word on fire institute uh, the eight principles of evangelization it's priceless yes. it is indeed priceless uh for now <laughs> so uh and so we go uh, now to uh, to just kind of thank you you who have watched you who have been part of our life we're happy that you've invited us into yours uh, as well. We're grateful for you, aren't we, Jeff? Yes, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people just like you. You uh, join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. And an important way to support us is to like us, heart us, star us, and share us on your social media platform of choice. And if you really like the podcast, pop by iTunes, leave us a review, and click them stars, youngins. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, if, if, you, if you like us, Tell somebody else if you don't. Well, tell us, as they used to say in the 50s on every barbershop uh, sign. All right, our panelists this week have been Olivia Galino at the.real.omg. Yes. On just about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, uh, our technical director is Jeff Blackwell. He's at Jeff Blackwellis on the Instagram and Twitter. You want to see all of his greats and great greats and all yeah, of that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, our, being here, Bob. Oh, thank you, Jeff. Our research assistant and the leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. Uh, our video and graphics editor for this week has been has been Kieran Ball. Uh, not Ball. <laughs> sorry, I married you off to the wrong person, Kieran Cotton. Oh, sorry, sorry, Kieran. I'm sorry. Uh, and you know me. <laughs> I'm Father Chris. I stumble along on Instagram and Twitter at Digital Catholic. We hope that we've helped you to cut through the noise of the digital continent and find that still small voice. He's there. We are the Catholic Underground. We wish you a blessed Pentecost, and we will see you next time. From the Catholic.